0: move through this data what I want you to see is millions of cases small amount of death and so this has caused some severe disruption for accelerated as we have people coming in 7 in the morning till midnight we're reporting to the health department We're calling patients back and at the same time our volumes have dropped significantly Uh, the hospitals uh, their ICUs are empty essentially and they're shutting down floors They're furloughing patients, they're furloughing doctors. So the health system has been evacuated in certain places. In New York, the health system is working at maximum capacity. In California, we're really at a minimal capacity, getting rid of our doctors and nurses, because we just don't have the volume. The hospitals don't, as I've met with our CEOs twice in the last week, and we don't as well. So we're busy with paperwork for COVID, and we're all focusing on COVID. And so one of the things I'd like to talk about is when I talk to ER physicians around the country, what's happening? Well, because COVID has become the focus, people with heart disease, people with cancer, hypertension and various things that are critical are choosing not to come in based on fear. So what that's doing is causing the health system to focus on COVID and not focus on a myriad of other things that are critical because we don't have the staff there and major, the major component is fear. People are saying, I don't wanna go get seen by my doctor. What if I get the COVID? So uh, there is a, a lot of secondary effects to COVID that aren't being talked about. And so we'd like to kind of look at how we have how responded as a nation and why we responded. Our first initial response two months ago was a little bit of fear. We decided to shut down travel uh, to and from China. These are good ideas when you don't have any facts. We decided to keep people at home and isolate them. Even though everything we've studied about quarantine, typically you quarantine the sick. When someone has measles, you quarantine them. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So some of these things, um, from what we've studied from immunology and microbiology, aren't really meshing with what we know as people of scientific minds that read this stuff every day. So that's kind of how we started. We don't know what's going on. We see this new virus. How should we respond? So we did that initially. And over the last couple months, we've gained a lot of data. Uh, Typically in Kern County, for instance, we've tested 5,213 people. And we have 340 positive COVID cases. Well, that's 6.5% of the population, which would indicate that there is a widespread viral infection similar to flu we we think it's it's kind of ubiquitous throughout California we're going to go over those numbers a little bit to kind of help you see how widespread covid is and see how we should be responding to it based on its its prevalence uh, throughout society or its the existence of the cases that we already know about so if we look at California these numbers are from yesterday we have 33,865 covid cases out of a total of 280,900 total tested, that's 12% of Californians were positive for COVID. So we don't, the initial, as you guys know, the initial models were, were woefully inaccurate. They predicted millions of cases of death, not of, not of prevalence or incidence, but death. That is not materializing. What is materializing in the state of California is 12% positives. Well, if we, we have 39.5 million people, if we just take a basic calculation and extrapolate that out, that equates to about 4.7 million cases throughout the state of California, which means this thing is widespread. That's the good news. We've seen 1,227 deaths in the state of California with a possible uh, incidence or prevalence four point seven million that means you have a zero point zero three chance of dying from covid nineteen in the state of California zero point zero three chance of dying from covid in the state of california is that does that necessitate sheltering in place does that necessitate shutting down medical systems does that necessitate people being out of work <clears throat> so that's that 's California and that's uh, I also wanted to mention that 96% of people in California who get COVID recover with almost no significant sequelae or no significant uh, continuing medical problems. So that's, that, those are important statistics for the state of California. Two months ago, we didn't know this. So i want to bring it to light now because we've, we're, we're sharing our own data. This isn't data filtered through someone. This is our own data. We found 6.5%. And then California has found 12%. So the more you test, the more positives you get, the, the prevalence number goes up and the death rate stays the same. So it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And as we move through this data, what I want you to see is millions of cases, small amount of death. Millions of cases, small amount of death. And you will see that in every state. And, if we, and since we, we're talking about following the science, We're gonna follow the statistics and follow the science. So I wanna look at New York State. They've been in the news a lot, right? And their their numbers are critical. Let's go over their numbers. Cases of COVID as of yesterday, 256,272 cases in New York State, not New York City, New York, the entire state. They did a total of 649,325 tests. That's 39% of New Yorkers tested positive for COVID-19. That's their ratios. This is public data online. You can all look it up.
1: 39% of
0: people were tested. 39% of the people so were really tested. 39% of
1: New York State. Right. 40% of New York State, if there's 20 million people there, would be close to, you know, 4 million.
0: People. Which is likely. They likely have 7.5 million cases in New York. I just anymore. want to make that clarification. Yeah.
1: 30.5% of every New Yorker, it's every New Yorker who's been tested. Right, so we extrapolate data, we
0: extrapolate data, we test people, and then we extrapolate for the entire community based on the numbers. The initial models were so inaccurate. they're but not even, that, But in
1: those initial models, a lot of them were based off if we did no social distancing. Right. Is that correct? So is it really a fair to say, obviously, they're not as bad as they were
0: because those were based on alternative scenarios? And some of them were, were based on social distancing and still predicted hundreds of thousands of deaths, which has been inaccurate. So in New York, they, the ones they tested, they found 39% positive. So if that's indicative, and they tested 649,000 people, that's a massive test. That's accurate data, 39%. So if they tested the whole state, would we indeed have 7.5 million cases? We don't know. We will never test the entire state. So we extrapolate out. We use the data we have because it's the most accurate we have versus a predictive model that have been nowhere in the ballpark of accurate. So how many deaths do they have? 19,410 out of 19 million people, which is a 0.1% chance of dying from COVID in the state of New York. And they have a 92% recovery rate. If you are indeed diagnosed with COVID-19, 92% of you will recover. So we're seeing millions of cases, small amount of death. Millions of cases, small amount of death. And the reason I'm making that point is because we're gonna compare this to flu and say, is this significantly different from influenza A and B? And if not, why has our response been what it is? USA. This is, this is a big one for us. Um, 802,590 cases as of yesterday. We've tested over 4 million. If you guys have studied globally what's happening, that's double what any other country, Germany's at 2. I, I realize their populations are lower, but the fact that we were able to ramp up and do 4 million is pretty impressive, which gives us a 196 Positive out of those who were tested for COVID-19. So if 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 this is a typical extrapolation, 328 million people times 19.6 is 64 million. That's a significant amount of people with COVID. It's similar to the flu. If you study the numbers in 2017 and 2018, we had 50 to 60 million with the flu, and we had. Uh, we had a similar death rate. In the, the deaths in the United States were forty three thousand five hundred forty five, similar to the flu of twenty seventeen twenty eighteen. We had we always have between thirty seven and sixty thousand deaths in the United States, every single year. No pandemic talk, no shelter in place, no shutting down of businesses, no sending doctors home.
2: That's from the flu, by the way, just to clarify. Yeah, thirty seven thousand and sixty
3: thousand. Yes. 37. every year 60, per the
0: CDC 30 due to flu, due to flu. Okay. in the United States some years it's even as low as 20,000 some year in 2017 2018 it was 45 to 50,000 depending on who you read and we don't necessarily report all of our flu tests we do thousands of flu tests every year we don't report everyone because the flu is ubiquitous and to that note we have a flu vaccine how many people even get the flu vaccine The flu is dangerous, it kills people. So just because you have a vaccine doesn't mean it's gonna be everywhere and it doesn't mean everyone's gonna take it because we see every year that we have a vaccine and I would say probably 50% of the public doesn't even want it. So just because you have a vaccine, unless you force it on the public, doesn't mean they're gonna take it. Um, I wanna compare the US to Spain because Spain is number two uh, in the race for the most cases, which is not a race we wanna win. They had 204,178 cases in Spain, 930,000 total tests. So we did 4 million, they did 930,000. They had a 22% of all COVID tests were positive in Spain. 22% of those tested were positive in Spain. Spain has 47 million people. So that equates to about 10 million cases if we extrapolate the data as we've been doing with every state. Gives us about 10 million cases. How many died in Spain? 21,282 out of 47 million. You have a zero, a 0.05 chance of dying from COVID as a citizen of Spain, and a 90% chance of recovery from COVID without being on a vent, without being in a hospital. I wanted to compare the U.S. to Spain because we're the two, we have the two, we have the most amount of cases globally. So I, I thought that was important. And then when you, when you bring up a system of lockdown, you automatically have to compare it to a system of no lockdown, Sweden and Norway. I'm, I'm Norwegian.
1: Norway has lockdown.
0: Norway has lockdown, Sweden does not have lockdown. What happened in those two countries? Are they vastly different? Did Sweden have a massive outbreak of cases? Did Norway have nothing? Let's look at the numbers. Sweden. Sweden has 15,322 cases of COVID. Uh, they, have, they did 74,600 tests, which is 21%, similar to the other countries, 21% of all those tested came out positive for COVID. What's the population of Sweden? About 10.4 million. Uh, so if we extrapolate out the data, about 2 million cases of COVID in Sweden. They did a little bit of social distancing. They would wear masks and separate. They went to schools. Stores were open. They were almost about their normal daily life with a little bit of social distancing. They had how many deaths? 1,765. California's had 1,220 with isolation. No isolation, 1,765. We have more people. What I'm getting at is Millions of cases, very small death. Millions of cases, very small death. This is what we're seeing everywhere. Norway, it's next door neighbor. This is where I come from. These are two Scandinavian nations. We can compare them as they are similar. Let's look at the data. Norway, 7,191 cases of COVID. Total COVID tests, 145,279. So they came up with 4.9% of all COVID tests were positive in Norway. Population of Norway, 5.4 million. So if we extrapolate the data as we've been doing, which is the best we can do at this point, they have about 1.3 million cases. Now, their deaths as a total number were 182, fairly small, but statistically insignificant from 1700, you realize. Millions of cases, small amount of deaths. 1700, 100, these are statistically insignificant. So you have a 0.003 chance of death as a citizen of Norway, and a 97% recovery. Their numbers are a little bit better. Does it necessitate shutdown, loss of jobs, destruction of the oil company, furloughing doctors? That's the question I have for you. And I think the answer is going to be increasingly clear as we move through this data. Um, The next thing I want to talk about is uh, the effects of COVID-19, the secondary effects. COVID-19 is one aspect of our health sector. What has it caused to have us be involved in social isolation? What does is it, is it caused um, that, the, that we are seeing the community respond to? Child molestation is increasing at a severe rate. We could go over multiple cases of children who have been molested due to angry family members, who are intoxicated, who are home, who have no paycheck. These things last a lifetime. This isn't about a seasonal flu. These are things that will follow these people and affect them in a negative fashion for their life. And these are secondary effects from COVID. And these are for me talking to ERs, talking to my doctors, and talking to people across the country and finding out what they're seeing. Spousal abuse. We see people coming in here with black eyes and cuts on their face. It's an obvious abuse a case. These are things that will affect them for a lifetime, not for a season. Alcoholism, anxiety, depression, suicide. I talked to uh, the, the, the um, Donny Youngblood and various people in the community I've asked them, how are things going? Suicide is spiking, education has dropped off, economic collapse, medical industry, we're all suffering because our staff isn't here and we have no volume. These are all real things that I'm seeing every day. I don't, I don't read about this stuff, I'm seeing it in my clinics we have clinics from Fresno to San Diego, and these things are spiking in our community. These things will affect people for a lifetime, not for a season. So let's let's make sure we're clear on that. So we've gone over the secondary effects. We've gone over the statistics. Now I want to compare flu virus. Is this significantly different? And I just got a little bit of data here. Um, so deaths uh, per the CDC, 24,000 to 62,000 deaths each year. Um we get about we had uh, about 45 million total cases in 2017 with about 62,000 deaths, or a 0.13 chance of death from flu in the United States. As you know, our other numbers were 0.02. So the lethality of of COVID-19 is much less. Now you've got hotbeds of it in New York, but again, we went over the numbers: 0.1% chance of death. Widespread small amount of deaths. It's similar to flu, as a matter of fact. If we follow the science, as we've been asked to do, I'm following the science. This data is generated by the CDC, World Health Organization. The testing is generated by what we have done here. So we are following the science. Now I wanna talk about the immune system. Uh, Dr. Masihi used to teach for immunology. We both had years of microbiology, biochemistry, and virology studies. We've made it our life's work to understand this stuff. And here, I'd like to go over some basic things about how the immune system functions so people have a good understanding. The immune system is built by exposure to antigens, viruses, bacteria. When you're a little child crawling on the ground, putting stuff in your mouth, viruses and bacteria come in, you form an antigen-antibody complex, you form IgG, IgM, this is how your immune system is built. You don't take a small child, put them in bubble wrap in a room and say go have a healthy immune system. This is immunology, microbiology 101. This is not something, this is the basis of what we've known for years. Um, so w- what I'm seeing is when you take human beings and you say go into your house, clean all your counters, lysol all them down, you're gonna kill 99% of viruses and bacteria. Wear a mask, don't go outside. What does that do to our immune system? Our immune system is used to touching We share bacteria, staphylococcal, streptococcal bacteria, viruses. We develop an immune response daily to this stuff. When you take that away from me, my immune system drops. As I shelter in place, my immune system drops. You keep me there for months, it drops more. And now I'm at home hand washing vigorously, washing the counters, worried about things that are indeed what I need to survive. Let's follow the science. This is immunology, folks. This is microbiology. This is what we've combined together. We have 40 years of experience in this. This is common sense immunology.
4: So quarantining and social distancing is worse for us here, saying
0: It decreases your immune system. You, you can't build an immune system by... If, if someone has a, a reduced immune system, you, you hide them away because they can't build an immune system. If you have a normal functioning immune system, you need interaction. The, the, when a is in a womb, you're in this protected environment. When you come out, you have almost no immune system. You develop that through touching your mouth, touching your eyes, virus, bacteria, virus, bacteria, immune response, IgG, IgM. This is how you build a strong immune system. Do you
4: think people are worrying too much?
0: Of course they are. But that's, that's from media telling them to. I am telling them sheltering in place decreases your immune system. And then as we all come out of sheltering in place with a lower immune system and start trading viruses and bacteria, what do you think is going to happen? Disease is going to spike. And then you've got disease spike amongst a hospital system with furloughed doctors and nurses. This is not the combination we want to set up for a healthy society. So it doesn't make Dr. any sense.
4: So is Dr. Fauci wrong then when he says that COVID-19 is shown
0: to be nearly 10 times deadlier than the flu? Initially, initially, maybe that was true. But again, I'm going through the numbers. I'm not saying who's wrong or right. I'm going through the science and through the numbers. And I, like you, have been watching media and studying this for two months, night and day. I go to bed at 2 or 3 in the morning. Every day I read after my shift and I say, what's going on here? I'm not, a, I'm not in an ivory tower. I'm in seeing patients every day and I'm collecting my own data. I didn't have data two months ago. I just shared my data. 6.5% of all patients we tested are positive. That's actual, unfiltered, non-political data.
1: So respectfully, to uh, go off that question, and I know you guys are obviously very intelligent, very accomplished physicians, do you think that you guys know more than the top immunologists in the entire United States and that basically every country in the world has got this wrong, that celebrated urgent care has got this right?
0: right? I'm not saying, again, I'm sharing the data. I'm right. not saying so we're right, somebody's but wrong. But
1: conclusions from that data are different
0: than what the top doctors worldwide are concluding.
1: Why is that? They had no data. The data is coming World in. The Organization and the U.S. government has no data. No, I'm saying you, you have
0: to give the virus time. In, from December to now, there was tons of hypotheses. You have to let the data work. Let the, let the virus rise up. Then we study it and we see, did we respond appropriately? Initially, the response, fine, shut it down. But as the data comes across and we say, now, wait a second, we've never ever responded like this in the history of the country. Why are we doing this now?
1: And you don't think that they're also studying that data and that their data is even more accurate and more timely than what we're getting here in Kern County, I mean- Go go ahead, go ahead.
2: What's your first name? Tim. Tim, so I think my- Oh, sorry. Thank thank you for your question. I think your question is valid, and uh, obviously Dr. Fauci is a world-renowned immunologist, and a lot of the data that they originally gave us was um, theoretical, because coronavirus is a new virus. We've studied coronavirus since the 70s. Coronavirus was— We've studied
1: different coronaviruses. This one is novel. Like SARS is a form of coronavirus, MERS is a form of coronavirus. Sure, sure. We study different times, but this one is new. So, with all due respect, again, we haven't studied this virus. But
2: if you let me finish. um, Let me finish. (laughs) So, every year, uh, according to your argument that you just made, every year. Uh, It's
1: not an argument, just a question. Every
2: every year when we get the flu, it's a new flu virus, correct? Correct. But 99% of it is flu, correct? The way viruses change, they undergo mutations through their DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid. There are different types of mutations which either cause increased virulence and more likely decreased virulence, meaning virulence, meaning how uh, dangerous a virus is. So when coronavirus was, we, we, we've been studying coronavirus since the 70s. And this, 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 this uh, type of coronavirus that came out was first and foremost transmissible through, through human beings, and that was new. And I think any time you have something new in the medical community, I've been a doctor for 26 years, any time you, 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 you have something new in the, community, the medical community, it, it sparks fear. And doctor, I would have done what Dr. Fauci did, so we both would have initially. Because the first thing you do is you want to make sure you limit liability and limit deaths. And I think what they did was brilliant initially. But... You know, looking at theories and models, which is what these folks use, is very different than the way the actual virus presents itself throughout communities. And there's different communities we're talking about here. Bakersfield, a lot more widespread than Manhattan. Very, very different. So you can't really, uh, theory and reality are not always the same. And that's what Dr. Erickson is presenting. It's not about being right or wrong. Medicine, what they teach us is you practice medicine. I'm learning every day. So is Dr. Erickson. We, we all learn every day. It's not about being right, who's right, who's wrong. It's not a basketball game, who made the basket, who didn't. It's about looking at trends and saying, hey, we're not seeing what they've been, what they've been talking about for the past six to eight weeks. We've crippled the economy. There's a lot of domestic issues going on. Is social isolation warranted for the healthy?
1: So. I, uh, again, I understand that you guys are seeing different, uh, drawing different conclusions from the same data. Why is that? That's my because, question.
2: Because we're actually seeing the patients. Dr. Fauci hasn't seen a patient I, for 20 I, 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 years. Uh, uh, I'm just saying, uh, Fauci, yeah. but I'm just saying it's in general, a lot of the figureheads are not, it's like the, uh, the general contractor versus the sub. He's not seeing patients, he's in an ivory tower. And we have a world of respect for him. He's a world-renowned immunologist. Two different things. He's an academic. We've dealt with academics all of our life. I, I did surgery at USC and Loma Linda. All academics. But academics in reality is two different things. Two different things. So we're just presenting our data and our opinion as medical professionals in this community.
1: I was going to say, so you're not necessarily talking about a community in Manhattan, which obviously um, is... Much well, we don't, we, we
2: haven't, I haven't, I haven't been to Manhattan for 20 years, right? Yeah.
4: So, let me ask this. So, I mean, in your professional expertise, both of you guys, very, you know, prominent here in the community. Um, why do you think we are taking these measures? Why do you think that, let's, Governor Gavin Newsom, why do you think he's taking these measures to have California being on a strict shutdown right now?
0: Well, again, as a, as a leader, you listen to the people around you and they make decisions on different timelines. And so Gavin Newsom has people around him telling him, we think this is the best move for now. And then I, early on, we, we told people the truth changes every two hours because it was. As the data moves, as we do our own testing, I'm giving a different answer now than I would have a month ago because I understand the progression of disease in this area. I also understand the progression of disease elsewhere because I look at their data. I don't have to live in Manhattan to, to watch their disease process, to watch how many positives in the community, and to understand how diseases spread. For instance, nobody talks about the fact that coronavirus lives on plastics for three days and we're all sheltering in place. Where'd you get your water bottles from? Costco. Where'd you get that plastic shovel from? Home Depot. Those are fomites and carriers of disease. So you take your family sheltering in a place that you think is safe and you're taking fomites with disease that they've shown that lasts three days. Are you really protecting yourself from COVID? Does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. And if I swabbed things in your home, I would likely find COVID-19. And so you think you're protected, but you've got fomites coming from you know Home Depot and Lowe's. And it's okay for us to be mingling in those situations but we have to not go to work. It's okay for us to go to Costco, but not to church. Do, do you see the lack of consistency here? From a, from a microbiological, immunological standpoint, that doesn't make sense. If you're gonna isolate people, you need to shut these all down, because that's how the fomites are being transferred. When you go to Del Taco and you get a plastic bag or piece on your burrito from someone not wearing a mask who's just wiping their arm on your thing, do you think you're protected from COVID? When you wear gloves that transfer disease everywhere, those gloves have bacteria all over them. I'm wearing gloves, not helping you. As your mask that you're wearing for days, you touch the outside of it, COVID, and then touch your mouth. This doesn't make any sense. We wear a mask in an acute setting to protect us. We're not wearing masks. Why is that? Because we understand microbiology, we understand immunology, and we want strong immune systems. I don't want to hide in my home, develop a weak immune system, and then come out and get diseased. We have both been in the ER through swine flu and through bird flu. Did we shut down for those? Were were they much less dangerous than COVID? Is the flu less dangerous than COVID? Let's look at the death rates. No, it's not. They're similar in prevalence and in death rate. So we are saying that our response now, now that we know the facts, it's time to get back to work. It's time to test people. But again, testing gives you a moment in time. Testing tells you, you we, the nasal swab says positive or negative. The blood vial, the tiger top or the finger stick gives you IgG, IgM. IgG being the long-term immunoglobulin we look at for immunity. But again, it's a moment in time. And when someone, what's interesting to me too is when someone dies in this country right now, they're not talking about the high blood pressure, the diabetes, the stroke. They say, did they die from COVID? There's, as you, I, we've been to hundreds of autopsies. You, you don't talk about one thing. You talk about comorbidities. Their vessels were narrowed. Their lungs were a smoker. COVID was part of it. It is not the reason they died, folks. It is one of many reasons. So to be so simplistic to say that's a COVID death because they have COVID, you know how many people die with pneumonia or people that die from flu? With flu, I should say. It's not from flu. Their their lungs were compromised by COPD. They had a heart attack two years ago. They have a weakened body. We aren't pressured to test for flu, but ER doctors now, my friends that I talk to say, you know, it's interesting, When when I'm writing up my death report, I'm being pressured to add COVID. Why is that? Why are we being pressured to add COVID to maybe increase the numbers and make it look a little bit worse than it is? I think so. So this is what I'm hearing from physicians I talked to in Wisconsin, New York, and everywhere. So you
1: think that physicians are being pressured to make the numbers look worse than they
0: are? They're, they're being pressured to add it to their diagnostic list. And so where is that
1: pressure coming from, in your
0: opinion? Well, it, it's... I don't... i I'm probably coming from the administration. So their, well, their okay, administration, well, the administration is saying... It's probably coming from the hospital administration. I didn't ask them specifically, but they said we're being pressured in-house to add COVID to the diagnostic list when so we think it has nothing to do with the their, actual cause of death.
1: You can't confirm that beyond their word.
0: The actual cause of death was not COVID, but it's being reported as one of the disease processes and being added to the death list. When they died from COPD, they had COVID. COVID didn't kill them. 25 years of tobacco use killed them.
4: Yes. Yeah, that's actually interesting. So I guess my question right off of that is, I, I know right right now what we're discussing isn't really anything new. There's people with have immune deficiencies who COVID just supplements whatever illness they're dealing with, and that's being contributing to their you know to their death. So going back to what I think the theme is here is quarantining and social distancing. Is it necessary? So my question is, is it necessary for Are you saying it's only necessary for some individuals to be quarantining? But for healthy individuals, it's not. Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, that's why would you? Why would you um, quarantine the healthy? If you're young and healthy, why would you? Why would you quarantine yourself? It doesn't make any sense. You quarantine the ill, and well, we, we Don't
3: were... they say that one of the reasons to do that is because um, you know so many people are asymptomatic and then they need to get home and spread it sure. to someone who is immunocompromised. Sure. I mean, isn't that part
2: of the reasoning? 25% of patients who have COVID are asymptomatic, which is why we advocate for widespread testing. In order to open the economy, you have to have widespread testing. That's number one, no question about it. But historically, if you look at biblical times, you look at leprosy, Mycobacterium leprae, which is the bacteria that causes it. They isolated the sick, they didn't isolate everybody else. So isolating the healthy just doesn't make sense in our opinion.
1: So you guys think herd immunity is kind of the way to go then? Absolutely.
2: I think so. There's two ways, so. well there's two ways to get rid of a virus,
0: right? Either it burns itself out or herd immunity. For hundreds of years we relied on herd immunity. Viruses kill people, end of story. The flu kills people, COVID kills people. But for the rest of us, we develop herd immunity. We, de- we develop the ability to take this virus in and defeat it. And for the vast majority, 95% of those around the globe, this is true. And when we look at people that have locked down and people that haven't locked down, we have massive data. It is not statistically significant whether you lock down or not. So why are we doing it?
4: Do you think it's safe for the state to lift the lockdown? Yes. Would, would it be safe for people to be yes. outside right
0: now? Yes. I'm outside with no mask.
4: Are the gloves and masks maybe a little bit too much right now? Is that kind of what you're saying? In some well, sense? again,
0: do you do you want your immune system built or do you want it not built? The building blocks of your immune system is virus and bacteria. End of story. That's how you build it.
2: <clears throat> and there's normal normal bacteria and normal flora. There's normal bacteria and normal flora that we have to be exposed to. Bacteria and viruses that are not virulent are our friends. They protect us against bad bacteria and bad viruses. So right now, if you look at Dr. Erickson's skin or my skin, we have strep, we have staph. All staph isn't bad, all strep isn't bad. They protect us against opportunistic infections. That's why when a baby comes out of the womb for the first three to six months, they're extremely vulnerable to Opportunistic infections, which is why when we see a little baby in the ER with fever that's one month old, you do a spinal tap, you do a chest x ray, you do blood cultures, you do urine cultures. But if you had a fever, I wouldn't do that for you. Why? Because that baby does not have the normal bacteria and flora from the community. Whereas you do, because you've interacted with, you know, you've gone to the gas station, you've gone to Home Depot. That's the difference. Normal flora. We all need normal flora, and what Dr. Erickson's saying is when you are self-isolating at home for two or three months, you lose that normal flora. So I guarantee when we reopen, there's going to be a huge, huge amount of illness that's going to be rampant because our immune systems have weakened, and that's just basic immunology and virology.
3: I just wanted to ask Dr. Erickson if you were done with your presentation or if you had more things to talk about because I'm here. saving my questions for right. the end. Yeah. I just wanted
0: to make sure. Um, I, I had some conclusions, um, but basically our conclusions are that when I look at the, the, the basic tenets that we know of microbiology and I say do we need to still shelter in place, our answer is emphatically no. Do we need businesses to be shut down? Emphatically, no. Do we, need to have, do we need to test them and get them back to work? Yes, we do. The, the secondary effects that we went over, the child abuse, alcoholism, loss of revenue, all of these are, to, in our opinion, a significantly more detrimental thing to society than a virus that has proven similar in nature to the seasonal flu we have every year. Um, We also need to put measures in place so economic shutdown like this does not happen again. We want to make sure we understand that quarantining the sick is what we do, not quarantining the healthy. Um, We need to make sure if you're going to if you're going to dance on someone's constitutional rights, you better have a good reason. You better have a really good scientific reason and not just theory. we're going to work diligently to find a vaccine. And the, the, one of the most important things is we need our hospitals back up. We need our furloughed doctors back. We need our nurses back because when we lift this thing, we're going to need all hands on deck. I know that the local hospitals have closed two floors. Folks, that's not the situation you want. We're essentially setting ourselves up to have minimal staff, and we're going to have significant disease. That's the wrong combination. So that's, that's kind of the gist of what we wanted to get across today. And, and I've been working with some of the leaders and I've talked to you know the head of the CDPH. I've gotten their opinion on this and a lot of the leaders in Sacramento and we're all in agreement, but we need to have Governor Newsom in agreement with us to lift this ban. I've talked to our local head of health, the health department and he's waiting for that. Even though they're in agreement with me, they're waiting for the powers that be to lift because the data is showing us it's time to lift. So if we don't lift, what is the reason?
1: Well, uh, I want to ask you about testing here in Kern County. Uh, we have, according to public health, just under 3,600 pending tests. Um, if you compare that as a percentage to the rest of the state, that's very high, given ours. we have 900,000 people in the state of 39.5 million. Why is – I know you're not public health. Why is our testing, you know, the speed at which it gets done here in Kern County seemingly so bad?
0: Well, demand. You you unless you're going to grab people from their homes, people are afraid. They're sheltering in place. They don't. They're having problems with their diabetes, and they won't come in. Do you think they're going to come in for a test? Not in your life. They're sheltering at home. So a lot of times, we've you you've probably seen our marketing. We do coronavirus testing. We've called the major businesses. You have to have people actually come to perform the test. If they're afraid to come in, which a lot of people are, we can't get the data. So
1: you're talking about the the medical. Stuff.
0: No, the patients.
1: Well, I'm, what I'm saying uh, Say is that we have just under 3,600 pending tests. Right. who have been tested, but they haven't gotten their results yet. That. That's about half of all of California. What's the Why time Why are we frame? so slow?
2: What's the time frame mm-hmm. on that?
1: So this is, uh, according to public health, this was updated this morning at 10.
2: <laughs> But when were they tested? I mean, it's like. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, so, that's the most important, that's the most important but, piece of but data. So, why is
1: a place like Los Angeles County, which has 10.1 million people, have a smaller
4: percentage of pending tests? Than the place they do.
2: How many tests do they do?
4: Well, yeah. I think I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback right off of that. So, I mean, if you look at the pending tests within the last 10 days versus the amount of negative and positive cases the county's reporting, seems like it varies maybe 150 to 200 reports coming in a day, and that large number of just over 3,000, 3,000 over 3,500 is still there. So this idea of let's test everybody, do we even have the capacity to do that? Even if they tested every single person here, there's 900,000 people in Kern
1: County, there's 10.1 million in LA County, so why is Kern County seemingly lagging as opposed to other counties in California? And again, I appreciate that this isn't no, of You're fault. no, a- it's not
2: about a fault. This is a discussion. We do the majority of testing in Kern County for COVID. We do the majority of testing. And our folks, we have a couple hundred employees are working night and day to serve this community. So we're at full speed, we can handle a lot more testing. We're seeing about half the volume we normally see. We can double our volume and still take care of, you know, getting the results back. Unfortunately, we don't run them in house, nobody does. We depend on major labs that you know, are huge players in the United States. So our job is to evaluate the patient, make sure it's a, you know, uh, they don't have any, any other issues, tonsillitis, pneumonia, flu, swab them for COVID, send them to the lab. The lag from the time they get it to the result is usually two days. It's a two day result, which is in line with everywhere else. So
4: doesn't, and I, and I, that doesn't seem to be, though. I mean, the, the, the variation is 150 to 200 within the last 10 days. I mean, they've been sitting with over 3,000 pending tests for a while now. Mm-hmm. So well, how many people have you tested, did you guys say? You I, yeah. We went
0: over the numbers. I'll give them to you one more time. Our, we've tested 5,213. Mm-hmm. We've had 340 positives. Now, our people get – we have people calling back from 7 in the morning till midnight. We can only speak to our data collection. Initially, the labs were taking 10 to 12 days to get results. That was about six weeks ago. Then they refined their process, they brought in more analyzers. they automated. They were doing things manually. They automated the process, and now it's one to three days. All of our data is followed up on. These 5213, these are called back. We do between 150 and 200 tests every single day of the week, including weekends. We have people calling back till midnight, every single patient. Our data is followed up on. I can't speak to what LA people are doing. I know what we're doing here. These tests have been followed up on. These tests are accurate to date. And we're if you look at the pending tests, five thousand two hundred and thirteen is a majority of them. So I know our processes. I don't maybe the hospitals are not sending them stat, I don't know. But that's our data is coming around one to three days.
4: No. Not at all. Based on your information, would you say it's safe to open up schools, sporting events and for people to gather outside again, including gyms? Yeah,
0: I would start, I would start slowly. I think we need to open up the schools, start getting kids back to the immune system, you know, and the, the major events, the sporting events, these are, these are non-essential. Let's get back to those slowly. Let's start with schools. Let's start with Cafe Rio and the pizza place here, because I can go into Sully's right now, which I did this morning. There was 25 people in there and I can stand in line for 10 minutes, but I can't go in Cafe Rio and sit there for 10 minutes. Does that make sense to you guys? And I can, I can go into Costco, and I can shop with people, and there's probably a couple hundred people, but I can't go in Cafe Rio. So big businesses are open, little businesses are not. There's no science behind that. As we've gone over, that is not science. There's other factors in play that, that we don't have time to go into, but it's not science. I want to make that clear.
3: You're saying, I'm curious what you think needs to happen, or if, if someone came to the county and said, what should we do to reopen? Because you said you think testing is important, but mm-hmm. are you saying, it sounds like you're saying a slow reopening, starting mm-hmm. with the most essential things and, and working from there. Um, and then how would you propose doing wide-scale testing?
0: Well, and, and we've, I've met with all the CEOs and all the hospitals as early as yesterday and I've met a couple times and they've said, what's your capacity, we're trying to figure out our capacity. So it's an ongoing discussion and from our perspective we've said let's start back opening the businesses up. People need revenue, they need the food chain. For instance, your Grimway, your Bolthouse, they have thousands of employees, well they're all working. Have they all been tested? So our thing is the food, start with the food industry and the food chain, test them, and what we're trying to do now is validate a a finger stick test so that we can test people in three minutes. They're just coming out. So we're actually at, at noon today, we're supposed to meet with a major lab talking about running the tiger top, which is the blood tube alongside the finger test, doing our self validation over the next week or two, getting that rapid test done so that people can test as they go into work. Boom, three minutes, negative come and we do that and until we find out who has active disease who's not and we do we don't have to do everyone but a majority of players and then eventually we treat this like we treat flu which is if you have the flu and you're feeling fevery and body aches you stay home if you have cough fever shortness of breath covid is more of a respiratory thing you stay home you don't you don't get tested even when people come with flu a lot of times we don't test them we go you have flu here's a medication, or if it's been more than two days, you don't get Tamiflu, it works itself out. I This this virus is the same. You have COVID, go home, let it resolve, and come back.
3: So someone who would test negative for the antibody, should they be allowed to go back to work?
0: They should, because they may be negative for the antibody for years. They may never get flu. We have people in their 50s who have never had flu. So
3: you're Anybody who doesn't have an active coronavirus infection should be allowed to go back to work, Absolutely. whether they have the antibodies for it or not. Right. Okay. But you're saying that once we have the testing in place,
1: is that correct?
0: Well, if you have no symptoms, um, you should be able to return to work. Okay. Are you an asymptomatic viral shedder? Maybe, but we can't test all of humanity.
2: Well, I think one thing I also wanted to add is we're going to miss cases. Sure. We're going to miss cases of coronavirus, just like we miss cases of the flu. I think one thing that is being televised is that we need to capture every single coronavirus patient. No, we don't, because that's not reality. Theory and reality are very, very different. We worked in ERs for 15 years. Theory and reality are very different. It would be nice to capture every coronavirus patient, yes, but is that realistic? Are we going to keep the economy shut down for two years and vaccinate everybody? That's an unrealistic expectation, I think. So you're going to cause financial ruin, domestic violence, suicide, rape, violence, and what are you gonna get out of it? You're still gonna miss a lot of cases. So we need to treat this like the flu, which is familiar. And eventually, this, this will mutate and become less and less virulent. Because asymptom- patients who are asymptomatic or, or silent shedders usually have the, the, the milder version of the coronavirus, right? Because it's milder, that's why they're not as symptomatic. And that tends to spread quicker than the more virulent forms.
3: Karen um, Claw, I'm sorry, from please. PGT, gave me some questions to ask. One of them was, um, what sources do you cite to back your claims? What scientific papers and
4: studies can you send out to us? Are there other people?
0: This is too early. <laughs> scientific studies, double-blind, clinical-controlled trials take time, years. So we're doing the best with the data we have. I gave you the statistics. This is all common knowledge you can find online. This is their countries reporting to these different news entities. This is all common knowledge. This is not based on double-blind clinical controlled trials. Again, we've been studying microbiology for 20 years. This is our life goal in our 20s and 30s, 40s. This is what we do. We throw this information against the backdrop of knowledge. We both have degrees in this and say, is this legitimate? I don't need a double-blind clinically controlled trial to tell me if sheltering in place is appropriate. That is a, a college-level understanding of microbiology. That's, that's
2: next year. Next year, two years down the line. A lot of times in medicine, you have to make, you have to make educated decisions with the data that you have. I can sit up you know, on the 40, 47th floor in the penthouse and say, we should do this, this, and this, but I haven't seen a patient for 20 years. That's not realistic. We, we're using the basic data that we have here, which we're, we're happy to share with you guys. We have all the data. This is our data from Kern County. And because we're the largest testing center for Kern County, we're assuming our data is accurate for this specific area.
0: How <laughs> many tests have you guys done, and how many of your tests have come out positive?
2: 5,000. We've done 5,236.
0: 5, 5, 5,
2: <laughs> That's okay. 5,213, and we have 340
4: 40 positives. 340 6.5% is our number. Is it coming to the point where it's getting unhealthy to stay inside and doing all these shelter-in-place orders?
2: I think so. I mean, uh, sorry to cut you off. Your vitamin D levels go down. You're not outside. You're not, you know, your mood goes down. When your mood goes down, you're more likely to get sick. You get depression. Going outside is healthy. I mean, why can't you go to the park? And walk around, but you can go to Home Depot. And nobody's wearing a mask. It just—it doesn't make sense. The inconsistencies and the incongruencies make no sense. That's the bottom. So when Governor
4: order. Newsom says restaurants after the stay-at-home order, you might see waiters and waitresses wearing gloves and masks and giving you disposable menus. You have to disagree with
2: that. No, it's not. It's not. We don't disagree with that. I mean, I think you can look at it from two different ways. I think if you're healthy and you don't have significant comorbidities, comorbidities and you don't, you're not on. You're not, you're not immunodeficient and you're not uh, elderly, you should be able to go out without any gloves and without a mask. I think if you are those things, you should either shelter in place or wear a mask and gloves. I don't think everybody needs to wear a mask and gloves because it reduces your bacterial flora. It doesn't allow you to interact with society and your bacteria flora and your viruses, your friends that protect you from other diseases, mm-hmm end up going away, and now you're more likely to get opportunistic infections. Infections that are hoping you don't have your good bugs fighting for you, if that makes sense.
1: So doctors, you guys are calling for, as you said, gradual opening up, and with that, we have to increase our testing. But if you look at the numbers per capita, California is the fourth lowest state per capita testing. The US is below almost every Western European nation per capita testing, minus I think the UK and France. Um, And and Germany. No, we're lower than everybody minus the UK Mm -hmm. grants per capita. Um, I think we're about 12,500 per million, and the UK grants are about 8,000. If you look at places like Germany and Denmark that are beginning to open up, their their testing rates per capita are three times higher than what ours Mm -hmm. are. We also have their test positive rate is between 3 and 12%, which is what the World Health Organization so it should be the, the positive rate of sure. ours, it's closer to 20% nationally. So at what stage do you think we get that adequate testing which you guys are calling for, where we can start to take those approaches to get our economy moving again, start with up? You know. well, I think. Do you think we're there now or no?
2: I think that's an excellent question. I think the problem with, with wanting widespread testing versus not being scared enough to come to a facility to get widespread testing are two different things. If you're at home seeing tons and tons of people die, I don't want to go to Accelerated, I don't want to get testing. That fear prevents people from coming in. When this 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 uh, unknown, the unknown always scares us. So, in my opinion, what are the risks? What are the benefits of, 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 of social isolation? And we think that the risks of social I- isolation uh, are too high.
1: So, you guys you guys own and run this facility. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. We have seven. Have- yes, have all of them. Yep. What would you say? To- critics who would say, well, they've got a stake in this game. They are pushing this data, or their representation of this data, because they don't want to lose money. What would you say to those folks who say, I'm going to believe, you know, maybe someone else who, you know, well, the wider world you, scientific community yeah. who says, these these two doctors, despite their, you know, intelligence, oh, yes. they have an, an ulterior motive. What would you say to those people?
0: talk to ER doctors who have no arterial motive. They have the same viewpoint. There's there's a post today from a doctor from Wisconsin. I encourage you all to read it. I'll share his story with you. It is exactly what we're saying. And he eloquently displays, he's an ER doctor. He says, I'm walking into this war zone. Our ICU's are empty. I'm scared to go to my own place of work. There's no patients, but we have people in hazmat suits checking my temperature as I walk through the doors. He's like something else is going on here. This is not about science and it's not even about COVID. When they use the word safe, the word safe, if you listen to the word safe, that's about controlling you. So when I talk to all my ER doctors who work in a hospital, no stake in the game, same opinion. That's how I'll answer your question. We all have the same opinion.
1: So then you say that hospitals are losing money right now, most of them. Um, but at the same time, you said earlier that doctors are feeling pressure from hospital administrations to put COVID down as a reason of death, which would presumably instill more fear in people. Isn't that doesn't that go against that line of thought? Why would they do that if it was going to cause more fear and cause them to lose
2: more
0: money? Exactly. There's so something. There's something things? else going on, and that's a different discussion. We
2: don't know. I mean, that's we're, we're, we're just here to present that's, the scientific. That's a facts. political discussion. Yeah. So you right. think
1: some hospital administrators are undercutting their own bottom line?
2: We're just, we're presenting the medical data here. I mean, what, what, I, I, mean, what I think about politics is irrelevant. We're presenting yeah, we're, the medical
0: we data. Need to, we need to stay on things that we, are, we can answer intelligently, which is not, why does a CEO of some hospital in Wisconsin do that? We need to stay on the topic of, do we need to shelter in place, and does that make sense from the microbiology knowledge we've known for 30 years? The, 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 the sciences haven't changed us. We live our life in the life sciences biology, biochemistry, microbiology. So everything that you're asking us goes against that sheet of information. Why people do things at a hospital is not really our area of expertise. So from what we're seeing right now, it's time to open back up. The science says it is. The models we have been using from predictions to predict the amount of disease are not accurate. This information is accurate. It models the flu. Let's go back to work. That's what the data is saying. Not models, data is saying that.
3: Would you say though that, I mean like a situation in New York City, that's not like a flu? I mean, the hospitals there are completely overwhelmed and swamped and people you know working in the ERs are dying from this. So I mean, there is a, that's not just a flu type situation, well, look, right? Look at Italy in 2017.
0: Hospital systems overwhelmed, people dying overwhelmed system from the flu. This happens from the flu. If you've been working in the ERs, I've seen multiple people, hallways full, people dying, news media there, stories going on from the flu. This does happen. This does happen. It's not just
2: the flu. It's no. the flu. That's what I mean. That's, that, that, that's exactly what I mean. People think it's just the flu. It's just coronavirus. What's the difference? You're used to the flu. You're used to saying it's just the flu. FLU, influenza, is something we've grown up with. You're you're used to it. You're used to it, right? If somebody commits suicide today, you're like, yeah, that person committed suicide, it's awful. Or if somebody dies today from the flu, they died from the flu, it's awful, terrible. But we're used to it, we're not used to coronavirus. Not used to something brings fear. Human beings don't like change.
3: I just, you know, I mean, from the things that I've been reading, even, you know, doctors working in the ERs in New York City, I mean, I haven't heard any one of them saying, oh, it's similar to a flu outbreak. I mean, they were pretty impacted by swine flu in New York City, Mm -hmm. but I haven't heard anybody really say, oh, it's just like swine flu was, you know, I mean, have you? It's
0: getting, they're getting hit hard. They're a hot zone. And we don't ride subways with you know a thousand people in a small car that are this close. They had reasons for the disease, and coronavirus has shown to be very contagious. Let's be clear, it is contagious. We're not saying it's not. It may even be, from what I've read, more contagious and spread more rapid. But the actual cause of death and the disease cycle is similar to what we're seeing from the flu, with more of a respiratory component. You know, and they were they were screaming for ventilators. What percent of people die on ventilators 80 90 percent once you're on a ventilator if you understand you're in a bad shape and they're screaming for 30,000 ventilators that they didn't use right they're screaming for a lot of things 30,000 they used five how many hundred percent over did they order how many hundreds of millions of dollars entire companies GM were forced to switch their production lines for what I'm saying the secondary causes of what we're seeing oil shut down. We are we have predictable negatives from 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 lockdown. Predictable negatives. Corona has unpredictable negatives.
3: No, I see what you're saying. I mean, it sounds like you're saying you know we actually have some data to look at now, and in the yeah. beginning we didn't really know, but now we can draw some conclusions. And, and those conclusions that you guys were able to draw, really
4: the, the entire nation. Do you think you know? respectively, the numbers are low in those ratios that you were mentioning, the, the fatality versus how many people have them, because we've been social distancing? Now, you, you don't think no. it's because, w- since we started doing these, that those models that part county Health shows how effective social distancing is? That's, that's all false? But that's why we went over
0: Sweden and Norway. I, I, we went over Sweden and Norway because you have lockdown, no lockdown. Sweden, no lockdown. Norway, lockdown. That's, with, that's 10 million, that's 15 million people. We have the data. That's why I just went over with you. Well, you. Lockdown.
1: Well, Norway and Sweden also have drastically different testing standards and metrics. Norway is basically testing everybody. Sweden, they're only testing you if you end up in No, that's not. That's that not accurate. Strategy. They're not testing everybody. Well, so, of course they're uh, not testing all 5.5 million Norwegians, but their testing is much more widespread. The, the bottom is line Sweden. is,
0: from those of us who study it and have a background in this, is. Lockdown versus non lockdown did not produce a st- statistically different number of deaths. That is the bottom line.
1: That we know Right, so people could be dying in their home yeah. from other things, but if Sweden, if they're not being tested, then they don't know what the cause yeah. of
4: death is. Yeah, and if you're to give me a test I'm on know. analyzing these numbers and trying to, I, I probably wouldn't perform so well. I guess what I'm trying to cross reference is I hear our president, I hear our governor say social distancing is working. And you guys are saying it's not needed. So I guess guess that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. Why is that?
2: It was needed initially. Are they lying? lying? It was needed initially. They actually, I I completely, we both agree with exactly what they did initially because we didn't know it was an unknown. Now it is becoming known. Initially, when when you don't know something, you're extra careful because you're fearful. It's just like um, when you see a patient and they're very sick, you test for everything because you're scared. You're fearful, but then as, as you see more of those patients, you realize, hey, I know what to test for, right? It's shotgun effect versus sniper effect, right? So initially when, when this data came out of a new virus that's causing, that's, that's lethal, they they went out, they went all out. And I think that was appropriate. But now that we have the data, we're, we're seeing that 96, 97% of patients completely recover. And those four patients that die, they have over 90% comorbidities. Let's run, let's run through that one more time. Out of 100 people, if 96 do fine, the 4 that die, 90% of those 4 have comorbidities. Heart failure, emphysema, um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus. They're on immunomodulating medications. They're immunodeficient. HIV. These are the people that are dying. You get some healthy people that die, but that's an infinitesimal number. Tiny.
1: So, and you think that that differentiation of the view, the conclusions that you doctors are drawing versus them is because they are academics or something along that line? Well, I just,
2: I think think we're in the weeds. We work with this every single day, and the numbers don't make sense to us. And they don't make sense to ER physicians and physicians all over the country. It's not just us. See. And I,
1: my final question, just to
2: make sure we get it right, I
1: think you guys did this. Can you your first or last handers spelling, Please, your first or last
2: handers
0: spelling, please. Thank you, sir. Dan Erickson. That's D-A-N-E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N.
2: Perfect. Thank you. Artin. A-R-T-I-N-M-A-S-S-I-H-I. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. A-
3: Thank you. A- A-R-T-I-N-M-A-S-S-I-H-I-N-M-A-S-S-I-H-I-N-M-A-S-S-I-H-I-N-M-A-S-S-I-H Thanks for having hey, guys, Thank, thank you, you, so you so much. And you guys are the co owners of yes. Accelerated Urgent Care. Okay. I'm just looking through to make sure that I answered all.
0: We're not saying we're right, we're saying, here's the data, here's what we understand. Mm -hmm. It's not a you're right and you're wrong thing. It's the way we interpret data. We work in the field, and some people that are not working in the field and still getting a paycheck have a different opinion. If you weren't getting a paycheck, you might have a different opinion. If you weren't getting a paycheck, if everybody in here is getting a paycheck, right? Café Rio is not. They've all been furloughed. Mm -hmm. When you don't get a paycheck, your opinions start switching. If you were at home, furloughed, for the unforeseeable future, would you be excited about staying sheltering in place? No, I
3: mean, I completely understand. And we're seeing this around the country now, I think, you know, that people are demanding
0: that they be allowed to go back to work and... Well, it's also, at what point, who says what's safe? Are you smart enough to know what's safe for you? Or is the government going to tell you what's safe for you? Mm -hmm. Who tells you what's... As soon as they use the word safe, that means control. We know what's safe for you. You're too dumb to understand disease, you see. We know what's safe. And so they're going to use this model for different things. We got a bomb threat from China. Everybody stay in their home for three months. What? They are using this to see how much of their freedom can they take from you. And will you roll over and stay in your house? And it's working. And if you notice the way Americans are responding, if you go to any gun store in town, guess what they're out of? ammo. None of them have ammo. I went to three of them. They oh, said we, we, thousands of rounds have been bought. Why? People are mad. They're starting to post on my Facebook with their AKs going let's roll. So what I'm saying is let's avoid all that. Because if you, if you stomp on our freedoms that has one ending
4: and it's violence.
2: All right. Well thank you guys.